welcome to Guilty by Association, where today we have an absolute treat. I'm not even sure where to start with tonight's guest. They've literally done everything. Um, currently a successful blogger, they're an aspiring author, previously co-host of a web-based lifestyle show, travel lover, and possibly even bordering on a philosopher. So without further ado, let's have a listen to what we're chatting about tonight. There are studies that have been in India sitting in caves. Adidas. How did you know what my dad was wearing? Oh my god, I didn't know you watched Sex in the City. My mum said no, it's too skanky. I've always been somebody who takes a lot of actions. Men used to always fall in love with me constantly. Came on a truck looking like a bikey. She's still doesn't know who to bribe to get me a job. She just approached me and said, let's start a TV show. But a fat chick who couldn't talk about, you know, sex. Turns out we didn't know the difference between Britain and the UK. But sometimes the less you know, the better. The situation was that bad that we just started to laugh. Well, I'm kind of done having a great time. What do I want to do next? I don't know what psychic is because everybody has this. The truth is there. It's just like whether we choose to believe it or not. Sasha. Hi Lloyd, how are you? I'm bloody awesome and I've been looking forward to having you on this couch for a very long time. What was it you'd like to have a chat about? Do you have a main theme you want to discuss today or we just want to cruise around? Um, I'm open to chatting about whatever, um, but something I'm really interested in is consciousness and yeah just uh, i guess the ego your higher self when when you say ego at the most basic level people think like arrogance or that's what ego is and then people have done a little bit more reading they realize the ego is the vehicle you know that takes you through this human experience you know i've always i've always been into like spirituality and that there's something more when i was 14 um i was going through a pretty turbulent time like i've always been somebody who takes a lot of action so i left my school because i wanted to i wanted to go to another school not that it was anything terrible but i was just a bit bored like at 13 not many people do that and i went to a new school it was a lot bigger a lot of things changed in my life and It wasn't quite what I expected. Like, you know, I was going through puberty. I wasn't happy in a lot of ways. Like, you know, boys, friendships. My skin was breaking out. I had really bad acne. Like, just lots of things went right with my parents. I would say it was one of the hardest times of my life. And my mom's always been into yoga and spirituality. And I picked up this book by Louise Hay. It's called um, You Can Heal Your Life. It's very famous. And, yeah, I I guess I was just impressionable at that age and – you know, I read the book. It was very simple. It was about affirmations and how your thoughts create your reality. And to be honest, I think I changed my reality in about six months. And whether that was just, you know, life changing, but that always stuck with me. You walked You walked home one day in the front door and you said, Mom, Dad, I fired my school. Yeah, my parents are like, okay, go check out some schools. I went to a, the public schools don't have the best reputation, but... Yeah. I went to one. My mum said, no, it's too skanky. You're not going there. And then the other one, the other one, was, was yeah, that, she was just like... It's, was, was that said in other words? Um, in Russian? No, it was pretty much the same words. Like, we're pretty honest. Um, and then I went to another school and that was more or less, it was a, it was a good um, public school. But it was, you know, you're in a class with lots of people, lots of hormones, people throwing chairs all around, lots of drama. So it was... Wow. It was pretty intense it was an intense experience That's, that sounds like my high school that were great days oh, yeah nice. it was it was fun times maybe let's take a step back on life do you believe that there's certain phases in your life would you say that there are chapters where you clearly went from phase one to phase two yes i think from 14 um to about 21 was one phase so that was like yeah, getting, becoming very social, like coming into my confidence, having good time. Like, you know, from when I picked up that book, like I became very optimistic and things like for a teenager, things really worked out for me. That was from when I started, you know, going out to, and then at 21, I went to Miami and I had my student exchange. And that was sort of the peak of all my fun and excitement and the, like kind of the glamorous life that I wanted to live. And then after that, it was like, this seven year, I feel like it's seven year periods that everybody goes through and then the mm. cycle changed and it's like I fell down from that point. That's interesting. Isn't the, the Chinese say that your life goes in seven year cycles? Yeah. So I think my life has been in seven year cycles. Well, if you go from 14 to 21. About seven years or so. Yeah. No, so no. what happened when you were uh, 28? 
Oh my god. Was there something there? You know, 28 is the return of Saturn. So that's when your ego comes in and says hello. That's when your personality becomes set. So a lot of people at the age of 28, especially women, have a really difficult time. Mm. You know, that's where everything piles up. For me, 28, if I look back at it, I'll say that was just more or less just before I was going to go traveling. Yeah. You know, before I went to London, it wasn't planned. But I, f- I feel like if I look back on 28, if you look at my life, everything was good. Like, I can, it looks good, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I think I was so miserable. I don't think I've been more unhappy in my life. But even at the time, I, I, could, I didn't think I was unhappy. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm grateful. I have this, I have that. Yeah. But if I look back at how I actually felt, it was, I was under a lot of pressure. Mm. My parents, like everyone around me was getting married. My parents really... One, I, I felt like I haven't, I didn't quite meet certain things. Like you know, I had the VNS show. Um, I had certain business goals, relationship goals, things. I had good things in my life, but I couldn't appreciate any of them because I wanted to be somewhere else, and it was yeah. all piling up. And yeah, I was just becoming really, really miserable and really like set in my ego and in my identity. So yeah, it was twenty eight. Like was a, a yucky birthday, I would say. Got very drunk. <laughs> it was very messy, and yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was a bit yucky. Yeah. Did you have... So it sounds like you had some hard transition between 14 and 28. How about 21? Let's talk about Miami for a bit. Yeah, it was the best time of my life. I just, yeah, I had the craziest time of my life. You know, I sort of experienced all all the things that I wanted to experience before that. Um, I think I was very close to falling in love with somebody. I met somebody who I was very into. Um I wouldn't say I was completely in love because I had boyfriends before that, but I, w- mm. I just was always questioning, oh, you know, how does it feel to be in love? Because I never felt like I was in love with anyone before that. And also another thing before 21, men used to always fall in love with me constantly. It was like this. <laughs> and I felt after that, after 21, I had a long-term boyfriend. But then after that, from after that ex to 28, it was like dry. My whole relationship feel changed. That's why 28 got so hard because I felt like, maybe I'd lost my mojo or something was done. I felt like I kind of my well of like men and love had dried up. Obviously you wouldn't have changed drastically physically because Um, it's kind of aging's a somewhat slow process. No, no, it definitely wasn't physical. Like I could look at my back at myself then. I thought, really? I thought that I was amazing back then. What what (laughs) happened? It was just my state of mind. You know, I wanted to travel. I wanted all these other things. I didn't need a guy like I, I didn't have this need for it I wasn't jaded in any way I'd yeah. never been hurt in love it was like almost after 21 the relationship that I had you know my closest thing to love like it was a very intense relationship it almost jaded me mm. a little bit and things started to the more like I needed a guy as I got like to 28 the more pressure I felt from my family though it kind of like the worse things got yeah yeah I'll tell you when I feel when I knew that I'd been in love was mm-hmm. when I started noticing all of the the love songs. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. that, I was like, oh, you know, achy, breaky heart and had a way what is love. You I'm just, like, yeah, it's just, you know, love shack. Totally. Yeah. You don't understand what these people are singing about and you're like, exactly. why are there so many love songs? But then when you feel the pain or you feel something, you're like, oh my God, I can appreciate Adele and, you know, <laughs> whoever there was. Russian. You're talking about speaking in Russian. Now, mm-hmm. you're not exactly Russian though, are you? I'm Ukrainian. So what's the difference for those playing at home? Um, so I was born in Kiev, right? So now there's a bit of a in- different political situation. When yeah. I was there before the 90s, before the wall broke down, everybody spoke Russian and Ukraine because it was part of the USSR. So, you know, my parents speak Ukrainian, but people in the city only spoke Russian because it was, you know, mm. USSR. But since the USSR broke up and, you know, since 2014 when they've had the civil war people are you know they're more nationalistic and they try and speak ukrainian yeah pretty much same people same culture i, I don't really see a difference yes. so you were born in <laughs> kiev yeah the home of the delicious chicken meal that is correct and what was it like tell me about you coming across to what must have been a very strange new land 
Um, well, I was three years old when we immigrated, so I remember my earliest memory is a little bit of Italy. That's where that was. Rome was the stopping point for immigration. We were there for six months. Remember a tiny bit of that. Um, otherwise, yeah, I don't. I don't remember anything about Ukraine. Like when I was young, but yeah, my mom. My mom said it was really different. It was really difficult for her to get used to it. My parents, I think, took about ten years to actually enjoy and appreciate Australia. Um, yeah, my mom just said her whole skin broke out. She didn't understand why people did and dress up when they went out that was a big like when I went to school I was so embarrassed because my mom would get so dressed up (laughs) like I didn't understand like even men like everybody looking at her it made me so uncomfortable because nobody else's mums would dress up like that like it made me so uncomfortable because in Ukraine everyone dresses up when you leave the house you're like do your hair your makeup but yeah yeah, I found it so uncomfortable that's a good sense of pride though like getting a bit g'd up it was was too much what about your dad did he used to crack on the suit and tie or go out in the stubby my my dad can like with Russian men they don't need to dress up that's not a part of it isn't it no my my dad would be (laughs) in a paper bag happy you know (laughs) so no no that wasn't the situation so you'd have some guy cruising along wearing some Adidas Exactly. Adidas. How did you know what my dad was wearing? Adidas tracksuits. Exactly. That's what all Eastern Europeans wear. (laughs) Exactly. They're so ghetto. For some reason, there's a huge amount of them in India. And we could always... Doing what? uh, Because Russia helped out India back in the day um, through one of their proxy wars. So... No way. Basically, very short 10 second political history. There's been no war between the US... And Russia, hence the Cold War. But for all those years, they kept backing different countries to fight each other. So essentially, right. if it, it'd be like two dads going to school, right? And then giving their kids knuckle dusters to go <laughs> and bash each other up. And then like it's cheer amazing. on from the sidelines. Yeah. So Russia were helping India. I had no idea about this. Yeah, because they, uh, they were fighting against the Pakistanis and God knows who else. Um, and so, yeah, so Russia saw India as like this holiday destination and you go down the street and there's things in um, Hindi, uh, English and Russian and um, you could always spot the Russian guy bald, wearing (laughs) sports gear and had some stunning, (laughs) stunning curl like hanging off his arm. That's always the way. And they always look just like really pissed off and glum. So your dad, does he fulfill that stereotype? You know, my dad... No, he's not. My dad is actually quite decent looking for, you know, where where he came from. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that those would be the Russians with money who get to leave the country now. So the accessory, instead of him buying a car or something like that, the woman is an accessory. The woman is like he doesn't need to wear anything. Everything that comes out of his wallet goes to the woman that's showing his wealth. The uglier really? he is with the more attractive woman, that's that's all he needs. You know what I mean? It's, it's not really the same concept here, but they're, you know, that, that's how it works. So, so it's a kind of like a ratio of attractiveness from the guy to the girl? The thing is in Russia, they're, they're, beautiful women are like a commodity, right? There's an overpopulation of women. There's not enough guys. A lot of them die because they drink too much. Like really? it's a, They don't look after themselves like... Russian guys die early. Like, I don't know why or what, but yeah, the alcohol, there's a lot of homemade vodka, but it's a known thing there that there are just way too many women. Wow. So then you've got China to have too many men. Also, India has too many men as well. Well... They need to organize kind of like love cruises between there and other countries to balance it I think they do. People do organize cruises to... Not cruises, but trips to Russia to find wives. That's... Uh, Attention audience, next week's recording (laughs) will be from Ukraine and Russia, where, um, yeah, I will start to have a very lovely lady hanging off. That's the thing. If you go to a club there, you'll just see... 10 single women just sitting maybe some of them come by themselves they're just sitting and waiting it's just I don't know I think when I went back there that was just a little bit too intense for me what I saw because I just I thought like Ukraine it's like Europe you know it's like France Italy England blah 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 it's in Eurovision yeah but it's so ghetto like even their mindset it's just yeah it's crazy it's it's really different there are a lot of really different things that go on there (laughs) so your poor parents right they've come from that land to Australia, where it's like, nah, she'd be right. And you've got uh, your poor mom there, 
overdressed and wondering why no one else is making an effort. Overdressed. My mum just wears sports clothes these days. She oh, no. You know what I mean? My parents are quite Australian now. Yeah. They're like my dad. You, you couldn't used to speak to him before. Like, everyone was afraid of him. Now he's calm. You know, like, they've become really Australianized. Yeah. You know, they've integrated. Before when they came, yeah, it wasn't quite the case. So, because my parents were separated for a little while. Oh. So when my mum would pick me up... She come on a glamorous car, dressed in a short skirt. I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> shit. How embarrassing. My dad came to pick me up. He came on a truck looking like a bikey. Like, I didn't know which one was more embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, like, I had a traumatized childhood in that sense. Oh. <laughs> That's why, like, at 14, you know, I was just like, this is all too much for me. <laughs> so this is what was going on. No, look, my oh, parents, my they're, they're cool. Like, they're fun, but... Yeah, that's what happens when you go from one culture to the next. Well, it well, takes was, a transition period. Why well, was he showing up in a truck? Because my dad was a truck driver. And once, like, my dad's funny. He got it. He's, And I went to a private school at this stage. So it yeah. was, it was, everything was out of, completely out of place. <laughs> and once my dad picked me up and we stopped at, like, the stoplights where all the kids were, like, taking the tram. Yeah. You know, like, because most of the kids that went to school were a little bit more proper, a bit more yeah, yeah. wealthier. He's, like, just duck. Really? He actually told me to duck and I ducked. It was funny. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's kind of the Russian mentality. It's just like, you know, and the, another thing is my grandma, my grandparents. That's another story. So you brought them over as well? They came over after so yeah. they followed. Um, my grandma, she's still doesn't know who to bribe to get me a job she's just like if i knew if i had some contacts that's how they that's how they they still think that really they still think that so have they ever got into a sticky situation of trying to bribe the wrong person in australia um bribe the policeman bribe the postman you know what even in australia it's not so sad but these things happen and my parents probably have used these tactics i wouldn't say that they haven't and with immigrants, you shouldn't let them into the country because otherwise they bring their ways. Exactly. You no know, glamorous like, clothes, bribes, it's, it's all... Like sweet and sour pork. But I noticed over the last 10 years, like, you know, since I was growing up, I feel like the generation of people that came in, they're more um, integrated. So yeah. when I was in high school, I think things were a little bit racist, like Aussies to hang out with Aussies and then ethnics and it was a little bit more heated like that. But now yeah. I feel like people integrate more. So, you know what I mean? I feel like most people, now that they've grown up here, they feel Australian. Mm. So there aren't too many... There are different cultures that are coming in now. Mm. But yeah, I feel like Melbourne, it's like a really good example of multiculturalism because it's only taken, you know, like not even one generation, like just maybe 10 years for yeah. people just to be like, okay, Would you consider yourself... Were you classed as being ethnic? Like, were you hanging out with the Aussie girls? Uh, no, I don't think I've ever had an Aussie friend. Like, maybe, You've never had an Aussie friend? No, nah, not till maybe two years ago. And who was that? Um, Like you and another girl. <laughs> so, wait, wait a minute. Are you saying I'm the first? Am I the first Aussie well, friend? Well, you know, I thought I dated an Aussie guy, but it turns out he wasn't actually Aussie. That was oh. like my first thing into it. But then, yeah, I don't know. No, I never <laughs> have. Because usually like my best friends are like similar nationality and... Yeah, no, at school it was very much the groups based yeah. on... So what, you were dating this guy and he just went one day, surprise, I'm actually Nigerian. No, he was very, he thought of himself as very Aussie, right? He yeah. didn't even want to buy like chocolate that was halal or whatever. He would buy something else. It was very Aussie. Yeah, no snack. Right? Yeah. But my friends all thought, this guy doesn't look Aussie. Like, what's, what's happening here? Um, and then black? No, he's white. He had a few freckles, but he had these eyebrows. Like, he had good eyebrows. Oh, so you were dating John Howard. Mm, not quite, no. not quite. So in a few months back, he discovered something that, like, his dad, from his dad's side, where his surname isn't actually his surname from his dad's side. I don't know, something happened. And turns out that he's got some Lebanese in him somewhere. <laughs> That's brilliant. This reminds me of a show. I think it was on SBS. Um where they got a, a bunch of racists and they did DNA tests on them. That's what I mean, yeah. And you must have been like, oh, we should do that one day. It throws you, doesn't it? I want to know what I am. I'd be really disappointed if I came back. I think you're Welsh. I'm Welsh. You are. I, I think that's pretty down the line. I'm now that I've been to the UK, yeah. I know, I, you totally fit that. Let's talk about the VNS show. Yes. What was all this about? Um, 
so the Venus show, so that came out. So after I was 21, going back to like, you asked me about my life stages. Miami. Yep. Yeah. After Miami, I was in a long-term relationship for maybe three years. That's when I finished uni. I started my first job yep. sitting in office for a year. Yep. After that, went traveling with the guy that I was with. And I just thought everything is wrong in my life. I need to mix it up. Broke up with this guy. Thought I can't sit behind a desk. I need to get into television. Yeah. So, yeah, I just started doing that. And after a year, I got together with Victoria, who I did the VNS show with. We mm-hmm. did a course together. Um, I actually knew her brother from before. Like, she used to go to McKinnon, but she'd been off to in America. She was, McKinnon was the school that I went to. Yeah. Um, she'd done some television and she just approached me and said, let's start a TV show. And, yeah, we were both in the same mindset. And then going back to the whole ethnicity and nationality thing, yeah. one of the reasons was when I was going for... Um, you know, TV presenting roles, things. Um, I used to get told a lot, you need to neutralize your accent. So when I would go and um, do TV, I would I would start and I would try and speak like this. So I'd try and speak very Australian, which you can't really hold for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And she's part Russian, part Nigerian. Yeah. So she's black and I kind of look Aussie, but then, you know, my voice sounds... my. I think my voice sounds less ethnic now after all the TV. But yeah, yeah and we just thought if we're going to start a TV show, like why... This isn't going to be permanent. We're never going to get roles yeah. right now because in Australian television... Well, what it was like a few years ago, it's very white Australian, very male dominated. And then you'll have like a blonde girl kind of laughing on the side. You know what I mean? Or maybe you'll have like a Chrissy Swan, no offense, but a fat chick who can talk about, you know, sex or this or that. It's not acceptable to have an attractive woman with opinions, you know, talking about things. It's not on Australian television. I think what you're saying then is completely true. But I do think that there's been a huge feminist urge even just in like the last three years so it's always been a kind of a token thing and it's been words and not actions and i find that feminism uh, feminism has really kind of cracked into the hard areas just recently yeah i think things are changing slowly but it's more those subtle things in media like what i'm saying is like this female stereotype like a woman a woman can present like they want women on tv because Mm. You know, it looks attractive and people look at it, but it's like what you're allowed to say. You have to categorize yourself. For example, like Australia, they love the underdog. It's yeah. Australia is known for this tall poppy syndrome thing. Like you can't have this and you can't have that. You can't have everything all together. For example, like, okay, Sophie Monk. You know Sophie Monk? Uh, yeah. I've heard of her. Yeah, so she did Bardot. She sings. She's quite attractive. Yeah. And she's very funny as well. Mm. She's quite talented, but she has to always... Her One of her things is she has to put on the bimbo role. Yeah. Right? But she's super funny and super talented. Yeah. and But I feel like she, to be in Australia, she needs to kind of play herself down. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's part of what the, with the TV show we were doing. Like we're kind of seeing what was on TV. And I guess if you're just watching as an audience, you don't notice mm. it. But when you start really working TV, you notice how sexist it is. Yeah. You know, and yeah, we wanted to create a TV show where there were two women, they had opinions, they had a say, you know, they made jokes. They were kind of more or less in control rather than being, you know, a puppet on the side of a guy and just laughing at everything and giggling. Or basically produced produced to be in in a role. Talk to me about how it went from being an idea to sitting in front of the camera and actually recording and going it live. Um, it actually happened really quickly. So we didn't really have any technical experience. So I kind of just been doing stuff in TV for a year yeah. and, but no technical experience. And we wanted to do a show on channel 31 cause that was the community TV station. Yeah. And we went to them. We're like, Oh, this is the show we want to do. And they came to us and said, yeah, well, look, you need a studio. You need to do this. So we didn't know like sound studio production. Victoria yeah. had a little bit of experience, but like she knew what a few of these words meant, but um, so from May, she gave, she started with the idea. We didn't know how to do it. She would come over to my place. We'd just record, um, come up with a few ideas, a few themes. It was sort of like beginner's luck. Everything yeah. started to happen. <laughs> um, by June, we did a pilot. Yeah. So we got a few people together. We did a pilot and yeah, it's, it looks okay. And then I went away to America. Um, I had a few other stressful things, relationships issues, which kind of, <laughs> I, I don't know, it kind of propelled my need to do something yeah. even more. It's like I needed a distraction. So by September, we had a full TV show in a studio where they filmed Foxtel. Yeah. Um, and that aired on Channel 31 on extremely low budget. 
like it's like when you want something to happen and you go ahead and you keep going, mm. you find it. We were just very lucky that this studio, um, a new guy had come on for this role. It was um, at, it's where kids studied, um, but this studio was professional studio was hired out to professional shows. And the guy who was there, who was managing it all, had just come from Channel 10. Mm. So he was really excited. He was enthusiastic. He gave us a very good deal yeah. and we ran with it. And that, that didn't last too long because after that, the prices went up, mm. things happened. So we created a whole season. Mm. And then the next step was getting it commercialized. So this happened in in you know half a year maybe yeah. less so we did do a web series i guess we got to a point where the ideas of how we're going to continue it you know like when you continue something for so long you need to see some rewards you need to see yeah. something from it i guess got to that phase where yeah we did get a little bit burnt out we're very close yeah. to getting something um there was a new digital network that was a new opportunity so yeah. throughout the time of creating show like instagram happened web series like all these different things happened that we yeah. kind of try and jump on board but i just felt i got to a point where yeah it was kind of burnt out and once again yeah. there was another relationship that added to the fuel and then i just thought you know one of the things i'd really like to do before i turn 30 is also go overseas yeah so it was the commitment to the show but at the same time there are other things i felt like i had maybe given up other things throughout that time and so you felt that you'd sacrifice for the sake of that show a little bit or i could have been enjoying it a bit more so that's what i'm saying looking back there are during that time of my life yeah i only really you know i had to work for somebody else three days a week i was yeah. living a good life so i could have i could have been working towards what i love but that's not the way i saw it i felt like i was struggling yeah. i wasn't a huge successful TV star, you know, like my mindset about it was all wrong, yeah. you know, and it started to do my head in. I felt like I need to be at a certain place. Otherwise, what, what is this? Yeah. You know, that's why everything is about your perspective. Maybe if it wasn't for that, I would have continued doing it. Who, who knows? Mm. So you came to the 28th year. Yeah. You were going through um, a thinking time in life, we'll call it. <laughs> and... Somewhere along the line, you had the idea of London or London was put forward to you. I didn't even think I was going to go. I had no expectations. Me and Natasha had just ex kept extending our traveling yeah. and we're at the point where we're kind of running out of money and we thought, okay, now it's time to go to London. It was getting cold. We're on the plane and we were just collecting all of our knowledge that we knew about the UK. Turns out we didn't know the difference between Britain and the UK. I had to teach Wales. you that when we Yes, you taught us. We had no idea where we were going. We didn't know the exchange rate. We didn't know that um, really? uh, what little funds we had in our bank account would have been halved. Um, but sometimes the less you know, the better. Because I think if we knew what to expect, I don't know. Well, that's adventure, right? That's yeah. like proper, you know, pack your bags, go on the seven seas, see where the wind blows. Yeah, it was adventure. We got to into this point, like in situations where they were so like, come on, there's going to be a way out of it. Like, we'll just laugh. The situation was that bad that we just started to laugh. Like even Natasha, like she's probably more of a stress head than me. Yeah. Like sometimes she would just be like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, we didn't have somewhere to live. We didn't know what we're doing. Yeah. But things kind of rolled and they worked out. So. so I've got a story here. So when these two came over, I got a message from them. They were using what was couch surf. Couch surf. And they were getting themselves in all kinds of good situations, but then there are also some funny ones. So get this text. Really sorry. We're going to go and stay somewhere. Can we come to yours for a while? And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. But I lived with uh, seven people. <laughs> Seven people. You remember it. And it was yeah. a three-story. There were, what, six, five or six bedrooms. And I had to get this all cleared off. So we I never could... knew that people lived like that in London either. That was something we also didn't expect. Yeah, like... I, that like, was the norm. When, yeah. when I went to check the place out, I walked into the front door. And he's just this, like, mid-70-year-old guy wrapped <laughs> in a towel. I'm like, oh, oh sorry, no. I'm in the wrong spot. And the, the, the landlord's like, no, no, that's that's Chris. <laughs> What's oh going my on? god! And then all these questions. I'm like, why is why is an old man living in a share house? It's like so extreme. Anyway, There's so many weird things happening. He's an absolute life. legend. He was born in Burma and had quite a random life. Anyhow, back to these two. So I got everything cleared off. Like a true gentleman, I gave them my bedroom <laughs> and I slept on the on the lounge. Not really. I slept on the floor. 
Yeah, it was and, a very um, small couch that you had in the lounge. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very, very rough narrow. Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> they stayed for the two nights. They enjoyed themselves. Off they went, and <laughs> I get an emergency text the next day, five o'clock. Lloyd, really sorry, but I need to stay with you again. Because we've gone to this place and it's absolute disaster. It's actually a hospital ward. And we're sleeping in the corner. And there's weird stuff everywhere. And I'm like, what the fuck oh have God. you got yourselves into? That was the point of the craziness. Oh, God. And then I'm like, come back then. <laughs> and we had literally a day to find something else. Like, miracles happen. <laughs> and fast, fast forward to Sydney now. So Sasha's just moved here from Melbourne about a month ago and you're doing the same thing now. You're just like randomly oh going my God. to places. It's never ending. At least now I'm paying for these places, which isn't that great. But yeah, I feel like I just need a permanent home now. Exactly. Well, welcome to Sydney. So you're in London for what, about a year? Yeah. What was your highlight? Do you think you've added a couple of things to your life list? Um. Oh my, it was just like, I think... If I didn't go to London, those life experiences would have happened like in five years. Everything was condensed there. Yeah. Just completely condensed. Like I got everything out of that experience. So at first London was all about like the parties, the job, the, you know, crazy lifestyle that you have there. And um, after that, I got a redundancy. I got really lucky. I had a job for a short time. And this redundancy sort of gave me some time to think about what I want to do. And Mm. it got me into a job that was even, well definitely away from my calling i was selling it it security and i was just like how did everything become so wrong (laughs) how did i like people messaged me from melbourne saying they were like laughing they're like oh you know glamorous tv show now you're in it security and i just thought (laughs) how do people know me better than it what why was i thinking this was logical sometimes like in the name of logic you do the most craziest things and i'm just like this is not for me i started to go to these workshops in london natasha did as well we didn't know why we were going to them. We always wanted to go to some business events. And for some reason, we went to this event. Yeah. And all my answers to all the questions that I had had started to become answered. Like, why it didn't work out with the show? Why this had happened in relationships? So I kind of like just kept following this path. And a part of this path was to leave the job and do a yoga teacher training. Yeah. So, um, and I continued with this. So the first six months in London was all about living that lifestyle having fun, traveling, you know, new experiences. And then the second part was like really going back and figuring out why, what had happened in the last first part of my life, like trying mm. to make an understanding of it and where I'm going to go in the future. So that's like the, the two parts of London and for me. And what were these? Let's talk about the start of the second half yep. of that experience. What were these workshops you went to and how did they change your life? So, um... This was created by someone called William Whitecloud. He's the author of The Magician's Way. Um, he's South African. And Ryan Pinnick, he runs these workshops in London. Um, they're both South African. And I don't know, I've always done a lot of personal development, like of, you know, like wealth, you know, spirituality, everything. And I just felt just something still didn't make sense. You know, like I was looking into a lot of this stuff on my own, but I still had so many questions. I felt like everything in these workshops for some reason it answered all of my questions. It Mm. just, everything made sense. Sometimes you read things that are contradictory. And honestly, I think none of the stuff out there in religion or spirituality, no one really understands it. You just think something sounds right, but you don't get it. Mm. All of this is completely, it's spiritual, but it's also completely practical. You're in these workshops and you've decided this is it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and this is the next step. What happened then? The course is kind of long and I can't really explain everything to you all at once. But the whole premise of it is that most people live in their ego. They walk around like they're not awake. Right. And so you need to wake up. Um, And the, the way we do that is by awareness, having awareness of our ego and what it is we're doing, becoming conscious, becoming conscious and aware. And it's like a constant cycle. You're going to go back into your ego and your patterns, but it's becoming aware. And part of that, you also learn to use your intuition. Yeah. So we all have that, you know, it's kind of like, it's sort of, you know, can call it maybe a psychic ability, but we all know the truth. It's all in front of us. When we meet a person, 
the truth is there it's just like whether we choose to believe it or not everything yeah. it's just we need to the first thing that comes to us is obvious that's the truth so it's about making decisions yeah. from our intuition and i think that's something really missing like in our education system or something that we'll grow up with what do we make decisions based on how do we make our life choices based mm. on what our parents our past experience everybody makes like their decisions based on past experience which is not a model for the future that's why we create the same things in our life all the time because we're living through our past like a framework of our past experience mm. so the main premise of this is seeing this life through like a clear neutral perspective okay. of, of innocence or using your super conscious rather than your ego so you've mentioned a few things you've mentioned super conscious ego what are what are what's kind of like the outlying framework or model that you would introduce somebody to on this topic this is like a whole model like how to live your life mm. so through this like if i was coaching somebody or what i went through yeah. you go through a process of becoming aware of your ego because most people aren't aware of it they just see yeah. that as their life and who they are your person your personality yeah. your personality isn't who you are yeah that's just something we create for ourselves between the age of zero and four when we mm -hmm. come into the world we're not our personality we're a pure spirit we're a higher self whatever you want to call it and that's that's what's coming to this world to create something yeah so we need to become aware of our ego and get to our higher self that's that's the point of our life you know it's the hero's journey joseph campbell the hero's journey yeah. a hero is born you know a king he goes into hiding you know um he thinks he's a peasant a wise man comes to him and tells him he's not a peasant he you know he beats the dragon and then he's a king again so that's kind of like our journey with our ego to see who we truly are and I go see. towards that so so that's pretty much the the premise of it like your hero's journey a person in the world and what you're meant to do in this world so you were trained over a six-month period to help people see this clarity or perspective and i from what i understand you conduct um it'd be different from life coaching i think so you you help people through coaching sessions of some kind don't you they're just the intuitive sessions so basically anyone can do this so you basically you use your intuition to solve any problem so a conflict that you have yeah. you know um i can give you information on a certain person that yeah. you want to know about yeah. you know and it's not saying something is right or wrong because yeah. that's like our human ego concept it's something what's true for you yeah so for example you might get a job you know someone might get a really great high paying job great for their career and everyone will congratulate them mm -hmm. wow amazing yeah how do you know that's good or bad we never know what's good or bad it's whether it's just true or not that job may lead you to have an affair with your wife and lose your family and become bankrupt yeah. you know what i mean we never know what's good or bad it's only what's true okay so i guide people towards what's true is there an example can you talk us through some examples of uh you know don't have to name names but perhaps people you've done work with and how you've applied these techniques to help them achieve their purpose just recently a few days ago um somebody came to me who had found out about me through a friend and she mm. does a little bit of coaching and um usually i'll do like a ego higher self yeah. um session where i tell somebody about their ego and their higher self so i identify it for them so they have more awareness but i thought i'll try something different and i'll ask her we can do a session on anything you want to do i'll give you insights and obviously she's a female she said her love life yeah um and we went into that and it turns out um, that the love life isn't really an issue. Basically, I give her, I show her what's happening in her love life. She is dating losers, like guys yeah. that, you know, they're just distractions. Her whole thing is that she doesn't want to see, like, she doesn't want to come into her own power. She's basically acting like a child. So if she's acting like a child, she's she's not going to go for a real man. So part of her issue was that she was dating these guys who were, like, smoking weed and yeah. couldn't even buy her a chai latte. You know what I mean? She's 37. It's not like yeah. she's not meeting real relationship material. So, so this you, is a constant. Let's break it down. Yeah, so it's, number it's, one, you have, you have an ego. Yeah. And... So your ego always has an agenda. So when yeah. you go for a goal right okay i want to buy a house and you fail you're actually succeeding in your ego agenda your ego always has an agenda and that's to keep you safe right. so her ego agenda by meeting these losers was to keep her safe so we came down to the fact mm. that she doesn't want to be dominated and it turns out that her dad was 
quite dominant. He was quite wealthy and he had different wives and, you know, her mother, these different wives, they always like, you know, they were dominated by him. So for her, she doesn't want dominance. That's why she goes for guys who, you know, let alone can't even dominate themselves. They Mm. don't even have time to dominate her. You know, they're younger, they smoke weed, they don't have any money. You know what I mean? Your, you create everything that you want. Your ego has an agenda. She So she has yeah. an agenda to be with these guys. On the surface, she might think, you know, no, I want a serious relationship. Yeah. I'm of a certain age. It's time to do this. Yeah. Why am I just... You couldn't even try and create like scenarios like this if you wanted to. How can you possibly meet the same person over and over again? An ego could potentially be described as a subconscious set of rules that have come from somewhere and underlying beliefs so a person doesn't know that they're there yes so they're underlying beliefs so from the age of zero to four we create an identity based on our relationship with our mother or father or Mm -hmm. lack of it yeah so that's our personality and we create these beliefs like i'm not good enough i'm not worthy to hide the pain of why we didn't feel love okay so our ego recreates so one of the key beliefs is I'm unworthy. A mm. lot of people have that. So it's a certain personality type on the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, so the person will continuously throughout their life go in a circle of trying to resolve this belief of I'm, un- I'm, I'm unworthy. So yeah. the woman might continuously fall into relationships where a guy will treat her like shit. You know, she won't yeah. feel like a woman. She won't feel special. She's attracting these guys. Her ego is winning in their gender. Yeah. It's constantly proving to her, look, you're unworthy. But why do we do that? Everything that happens to us is trying to serve us. Our ego is trying to keep us from a greater pain. You know, because if that woman really went for somebody and really felt worthy, well, it's the pain of losing that, you know? So do you help people change their ego or just be aware of it? So the whole thing is you can't physically change. Like I can tell her do this and that. Mm. It's not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give her a list or go and meet this guy, go to this place. No. Mm. Once you start becoming aware of something, you change. Yeah. So motivation and all that stuff is like forcing yourself yeah. to go towards something. And that is usually a negative vision. Yeah. So that's trying to get away from something else. So you oscillate, you go backwards and forwards. So yeah. she might meet another guy, but then it'll look like it's um, a good package, yeah. but it'll be the same as all the rest of the guys if she's trying to push herself. The main thing is you create awareness so that when these things start to show up, you're like, oh, hold on. That's not what I want anymore. Mm. This is what I usually do. And it's, it starts to fade away. Mm. You know, it starts to, it's naturally, it naturally breaks off. So you don't need to do anything. Yeah. The awareness is key. Being aware. Like a lot of people have no idea what is going on in their lives. No idea. I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. So you've mentioned ego. Yeah. I've also heard you uh, talk about superconscious. Is that different or is that the same thing? Yeah, it's completely different. So superconscious, if you Google it, it's there's not, not much research on it. Nobody really knows what it is. There are different words for it. If you're religious, you might think it's your soul, um, yeah. your spirit, your higher self. Um, so if you, you know, when people try and meditate, there's, there's always this voice that comes into it and you try and be the observer. That's yeah. who you are, the observer. You know, so... Is this so... Are you saying is this a biological thing or do you think there's more to a superconscious? I can't define it because right now we're all science. It's either science, spirituality. This, I think this is science and it's going to come, you know, as further we get, it's going to yep. come out as science. That's who yep. we are. We're a pure spirits, you know, and then we create a personality for ourselves. You know, that, that's the voice into your heads. For example, you wake up, you you know, you want to lose weight or you want to start a business and you yeah. wake up really motivated. Okay, I'm going to go for a jog. I'm going to go to the gym. Oh, there's this voice. No, what's the point? Like, why would you do that? You're yeah. tired. You should stay in bed. You're not going to look good anyway. Like, no one's going to love you anyway. That's your ego. It stops you from doing things. It's like that parent after you're 18. Damn that's just ego. trying to, yeah, it's trying to protect you, you know, but it doesn't need to. Like your parents yeah. don't want you to go traveling because they, yeah. they're scared. They're worried. If you steer too far from the nest, you'll get hurt. But you need to do those things. And that's your ego. Yeah. It's not bad. It's it's just like something we don't need anymore in this world. Sounds like we've got a few characters now. So we've got yeah, we've got the ego, which is basically the brakes, and that's full of all these subconscious rules that are trying to keep you safe. Yes. You've then got the superconscious or superconsciousness. Yep. Which is 
your ultimate, is that your higher purpose? It's your higher self. It's who you truly are, your pure spirit when you come into the world. So that's who you truly are yeah. without all the underlying beliefs, all the not good enough, all the, it's who you truly are at your very best. So you could possibly describe that as kind of like your life purpose. Yeah. Life I desire. mean, that holds your life purpose. Yeah. Your life purpose. That's that, who you. Is it a logical thing or is it kind of like an unknown thing that people need to discover like their ego? Let's not put logic illogical. Let's just stick that. Let's just say this is the premise. This is what it is. Yeah. Um. It's basically your all knowing. It's like you know we're all one. You know, consciousness. It's one. You know, everything yeah. is like atoms, electricity. Actually, you know, the table. There's no. You know, it's it's yeah. matter. It's not one thing. Yeah. It's just bits. We're all one. We're all together. Yeah. Our consciousness. Our super consciousness is all connected. It's like when different ideas come into the world at the same time. For example, pasta and noodles were created at the same time in different parts of the world. It's our connected consciousness. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like when somebody thinks of something, you think, oh, I had this really good business idea. You don't act on it. But a few months later, somebody's got it. Damn it. We're all connected. That's why we have a patent office to stop people from like consciously through the super consciousness, slight tangent. Do you think that this is what the KGB were doing back in the Cold War? Because, <laughs> you know, the KGB, right, had their whole um, psychic department. And I believe that the US Army had a, a they had a crowd called MK7 or was it MK? No, that's the MK12. Anyhow, they had this pro, pro, program where they were experimenting, one, with drugs. They were trying to see whether drugs channeled you into, like, the superhuman mm-hmm. being. So, LSD. Um or uh, doing a lot of things with, um, what do you call it, remote viewers, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that that's what they were kind of tapping into? Do you think this is what, is this what psychics tap into, this kind of Look, every, every few years where it's like sold something through marketing and then it becomes bullshit. It's like when the world was... Like every- being- yeah, and no, it's like even like the food pyramid. Like now everybody knows that's bullshit. But, you know, we're only given certain information. You know the government has access to other things. You know, numerology, that's that's a big thing. Like a lot of people do use that. Like, I don't know, psychics are used in police force. Yes, there's a lot of that. Psy- psychic ability, it's mm. using a bit of that. But what I do, it, it brings some logic into it. So, question, are you psychic? Well, I don't know what psychic is because everybody has this. It's like your intuition. Some people are just not open to predicting it. With this girl who I had for the session, that love reading, love reading, um, even the language probably needs to be changed. I told her, you can do this yourself. And Mm. I actually asked her to do it. And she was able to give me some sort of a reading. What would you say to somebody listening out there going, you know what? I want to give this a try. I want to start exploring. So if somebody just wanted to open their mind to this. Um, You can basically ask yourself anything. If you have a question, write it down and then close your eyes and, you know, go into a state of innocence. So imagine yourself as a young child or a star, just without thoughts, without feelings. And the first thing that comes to your mind and write that down. So just Mm -hmm. be in the practice. What your intuition is, is the first thing that comes to your mind before it's overtaken by logic. Usually when we meet somebody, we know, especially as women going on dates, yeah. you know you've done this so many times or you know, maybe guys do this as well, I don't know. But with women, a, who a person tells you they are, like that's who they are. They'll see something straight away, yeah. but then they'll cover up with something else and that turns out to be the case. So wow. whatever you get straight away, what pops out as obvious, that's what it is. That's yeah. your intuition seeing something. It's a, a tool that needs to be used. As a um, not woman... <laughs> male i can't with I a beard can, i have experienced this not from the not from the like dating point of view but um funnily enough from business which mm-hmm. is what my life seems to be primarily made up of um with interviews and almost always i'd get a good kind of uh litmus test of character maybe in the first five seconds and between Mm-hmm. The walk from the reception to the interview room, I almost always got the vibe or I didn't. And then if things went well between that walk, that was almost the first step. And then the second was how they went in the, in, in the interview. And then also between the walk back to the front door. That's when you ask all the questions that you're not allowed to ask right. by HR. 
people who are successful like in certain areas they're using their intuition even actors right for example you know um like very talented people like tom hanks Tom Hanks or even like um, Robin Williams, Amy Winehouse, a lot of the ones who died, they were very successful in their intuition, in their super, like their higher self in certain areas of their life, right? Just naturally, you know, very talented, but it's other areas that suffered. Yeah. So this is about getting all the areas of your life right, getting them all in balance. Like a lot of people naturally do live in their super conscious at certain times of their life. There'll be a, mm. bo- a decision that you make. It seems to come from nowhere. It doesn't make sense, but it's one of the best decisions of your life. Do you think that there's a correlation between people who have this ability and death? Because Robin Williams, unfortunately, took his own life. Uh, Amy Winehouse did also the same. Do you think they had this gift and they didn't know what it was? Or do you think it perhaps brought some burden into their lives that they couldn't deal with? Um, so one of the things in this training is like, we all experience humans when they're alive, they all experience tension, right? Mm. So tension is always going to be resolved and we resolve that in a functional or dysfunctional way. And we need that tension to create something in this world. You know, that could be stress or whatever. So you could resolve tension by smoking, by drinking, by partying, or you could abstain from that and resolve it by creating something that you love, you know, doing a podcast, singing, doing something like that. So it's going to go in one direction or the other. It will never, it's like electricity. It has to go in one direction Mm. and will follow the path of least resistance. So with these people, it's like the tension got too strong in other areas of their life. So there would have been a lot of underlying beliefs in other areas that weren't resolved and the tension got too high. Like in terms of suicide, it's a lot of the times of suicide, it's not as dire as we not as dire as we think it is, but it comes from different underlying beliefs. Mm. You know, it's not always somebody has had a traumatic experience or this or that. It's just your ego in overdrive. That's that's the core of what a lot of suicide is. Mm. You know, it's thoughts and feelings going too far and tension needing to be resolved. And sometimes it's resolved in an overdose or shooting yourself in the head. Well, it's pretty that- full on. If sometimes the <laughs> you talked about uh, was a path of least resistance. That's, that's a path I, of release resistance. That's what I guess suicide is, isn't it? When nothing yeah. else yeah. makes it work. Yeah, because that's what they're used to. Yeah, they're used to harnessing it that in, in that direction. So, yeah. you know, this work, it's, it's changed people from being suicidal to completely normal because it's just one underlying belief. So another thing of this is, just say if you wanted to find out more information on a person. Yeah. Right? I could do that. And I can tell you how to do that as well. Really? Yeah. Let's see if we can give it a go. Remember I did that? Remember I did it on your friend? You yeah. you gave me your friend. Yeah. and Yeah, and see if... Um, I think you can do that as well. Really? You can do it. Maybe if you do it for one of my friends and I do it for one of yours. Yeah, okay. Let's do a swap. Right. <laughs> this sounds a bit crazy. Let's Why is it, it crazy? Why does it sound crazy? Because I did do it. I know. I saw you do it. it no, more or it, less. And it, it was actually, it was actually quite spot on. Exactly. So it's possible. I don't have any magical powers. You can do the same thing. And this girl was very. And at first, she was very resistant. Yeah. Because she also is very much a thinker. That's in her identity, being a thinker. Mm. But when I like told her, no, you can do it. I forced her to do it. Yeah. Part of my ego is forcing people. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, she was really spot on. She gave me some interesting insight about somebody who I just thought I'd ask her about, but it okay. was something that I need to hear because a lot of this is just serving the other person. Yeah. If you have the intention of serving me when you give the reading, your subconscious mind, right? It's like a servant. You know, if you tell it to do something, even before, you know, when you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't understand something. It tells your mind to not understand your subconscious mind. If you say, I can do it, I'm doing it right now, it almost brings it into action. Okay. So, yeah, you can do it. What we're going to do is that Sasha's going to show me how to do this technique um, and we'll see what happens. So, over to you. I'm in your hands. Okay, so one of the techniques... It's, it's not something I really use in my coaching, but it's something really interesting to have up your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to find out more information about a person, yeah. say you met somebody um, you know, in a relationship or work, or you need to know more about their character, yeah. um, what you can do um, is basically I'm going to tell you a person 
Mm-hmm. And then you're going to give me more information about that character. Okay. Um, and that'll be by the first person that comes into your head that you know something about. So it could be like your brother. And yeah. it doesn't mean that this person is exactly like your brother, but there are certain characteristics about your brother that pop out to you at that time. It could be your brother at 14. It could be your brother now. Yeah. But the most obvious things that come out... Yeah. You need to start saying them because that's information that I need to know about this person okay. that I'm inquiring about. So that's how it works. Okay. And the main thing about this is your intuition is the first thing that comes to your mind before you start covering up with logic. Yeah. So you just start speaking. Even if you get nothing, start speaking. You know, you won't know it until you speak it. So speak. Yeah. And you might think you're to- talking total shit, but usually you're spot on. All right. So you ready for it? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the person's name and age. And yeah. you go into innocence, which is basically you can imagine yourself as a young child, as a star, no thoughts, no feelings. Yeah. And the first person that comes into your head that's there, okay. you go with that person. All right. And you describe what's obvious about them. Okay. Do I need to close my eyes or something? If you like. Yeah, it might help you. Okay, let's go. Okay. Maybe, I don't know who I should give you, actually, if you're going to use it on the recording. Um, okay. Is the, name, is the name that important? Well, I'm giving you their name and their age. Okay. What's bubbling? How do I think of someone? It's the person that first pops into your mind. You popped into my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what's obvious? What's obvious? It's going to be even... What's truly obvious about me when it pops into your mind? Tell me. It was just your face and your hair, like the way it is now. And, but what's obvious? I don't know. I what are like... the obvious characteristics? I feel like I've blocked it. <laughs> hey, let me start again. Because, alright, maybe I'm doing the child thing. So you say, go on the innocence. Okay, the main thing is don't overthink this. The most... Basically, close your eyes and the first person that pops into your head, you go with that. Okay. Ah, okay, there's someone. Mm-hmm. Um, eldest of the family, um, has somewhat, maybe not like the usual, um, kind of eldest person where they're usually like straight 80, 180, um, kind of hung out with some of the cooler kids at school. Um, maybe you've got into some trouble, went through a bit of a, a patch drinking um then went through uh i guess maturity started to grow up a bit came from a good family was nothing wrong with a family maybe it was just the association or people he used to hang around with um then kind of got picked up went traveling moved moved to another place um then found somebody who was I guess feeling the the paternal part um, because his father, whilst a solid man uh, and um, you know breadwinner, probably wasn't the most overtly what do you call it like a figure of the household kind of thing. So I think this guy found somebody uh, he, he was taken under their wing, got inducted into business. Um, and then from there started to really take on, on some responsibility, still a bit of foolishness off to the side. Um, but started to, I guess, become more of a man. Um, then relationships, uh, I think he finally got into a relationship, which was probably the girl kind of clung onto him and probably knew his character and more or less ironed him out. Um, so good work for her because <laughs> she kind of put some effort into it. Um, and yeah, how far do I go? Anything else very obvious that you think might serve me? Serve you? Yeah, as in serve the question being asked. Is there anything more obvious that stands out about this person that I need to know about this person that I asked about? Um, what's obvious about this person? Something that I need to know. I don't know, what's, what's obvious? Or what's <laughs> happening to them now? What's obvious is just the first thing that pops out. Like, what's very... When you imagine them, what's characteristic? Oh, okay, they're... This is what's happening to them now. This is their 
key quality. This is like okay, something well, you should watch out for. This something is good, bad. I think they've always been going through a state of change, but they've especially going through one particular state of change now. So you're talking about your, um, you know, your 14, your 21, your 28 years. Uh, that's definitely what this person's going through. Um, I think that responsibilities really started to laden up now and they're having to relinquish, um, I guess, their youth. Um, going through, like, the child could potentially be on the order or something of that ilk, you know, like taking on responsibility. It's more than just responsibility of the business um, or like something that was very commercial. I think they used to be very, they used to be very focused on cash um, and I guess they're now kind of going through what could potentially be more important in life. Yeah, Lloyd. I mean, from what I know about this person, it sounds fairly accurate. Really? Yeah, that, that describes what, from what I know about the person, it describes stuff that they've been through, even moving, changing, what they've gone through in their life, what they're going through now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty accurate. I'll be damned. You know what I mean? So this stuff, you know, but that, this, took that me was a while. the first time you did it. That took me a while to get that person, actually. Yeah, sometimes a few people go through their mind, you know, first you're not sure, but then there's one that sticks to your head. See, because this is what happens. When you say child... I go back to when I felt like I was the most like child was when I was about three. And all I can think of is the back porch of my farmhouse. And whenever I think of my back porch, I always think of my brother kind of like there with his bike or... So when I ask you to think of yourself as a young child, different techniques work for different people. What I'm trying to get you into is a state of innocence or like when you meditate, it's like a state of no thoughts, no feelings. Ah, A state without ego. The state is basically our higher self. When we came into this world, when you see babies... They have no thoughts and feelings. They're just completely in the moment. And that's when you can see the most obvious thing. It's like when you're speaking to somebody, usually you miss out on everything that's happening because you're in your thoughts and feelings. If you just sit there and listen to them and and the most obvious things comes out, you know? So basically I'm asking you to be in a state of innocence, to be in your higher self. A young child is just a good way to imagine it because when you imagine yourself as a young child or a bright star, it's like a pure state. There's no past, no future. So I don't actually need to be a child. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're overthinking it. But basically, I told you. I told your subconscious. I said, just do this. It works. It did, and it worked, and you described the person perfectly. So my brother came to mind, and then there were like some other fuzzies, like like half. I felt like something half grabbed, and I was like, oh, what was that? And then it went, and then this face came up. Uh Uh-huh. I probably saw your face because you're sitting in front of me. So that's like a bit of a cheat. But then when this one person came up, I was like, ah, that must be it. Yeah. And so you knew that instinctively. It was like, this is the person. Okay. That's obvious. Bloody hell. Well, there you go, people. You just heard me do a (laughs) intuition reading. Pretty much on somebody you know nothing about. You just described them. Right. I want to do one now. I want to, who do I want to know about? Ah, I know. James 29. (laughs) I'm getting one person because their name is James. And when I knew them, I was 29. So. Is it feeling like the one? Interesting. Are you getting a strong match? Can you feel like the strength of the connection? You know, with this, it's kind of, as soon as you question it, this is just what I'm getting. Right. You know what I mean? When you start putting yourself under pressure, it can turn up. That's what I'm saying. I have the same ability as you. It's just some things I can describe a little bit better. But with this technique, it's quite like, it's, it's kind of one of those extra ones in the bag just that yeah. you do out of curiosity. Um, James 29. What's obvious to me about James is that he feels a little bit trapped. Um, so James, like on the outside, ha- has everything more or less, like is very successful um, in, in his area, like he's sort of done all the right things by his family, by, you know, what he does in life. Like, yeah, he's well regarded. He looks like, you know, he more or less has everything, but I think he's at this point where he feels like he should be doing certain things. He feels like he should be, should be having more. And it's kind of like now it's making him settle for certain things. Um, and yeah, it's creating a lot of tension for him. So he's sort of like, 
now is starting to like resolve his tension a little bit dysfunctionally, maybe getting going a little bit too far, you know, in certain scenarios or kind of like um, doing certain things which might, um, I don't know, like uh, sabotage himself in a way because mm. it's almost like he's done all the right things to this point and now he's like, well what's next okay now this is the next point but he maybe doesn't really want to be there so he's self-sabotaging a lot of situations um uh, i feel like he has a bit of an emotional wall as well um a few family issues maybe from the father side so there's like a masculine issues so you know he feels a certain amount of responsibility but also he never, like, I don't know, part of the stuff, things that he's self-sabotaging is that he doesn't feel, like, appreciated for what he's doing or mm. he doesn't feel the reward of all this life he's kind of built up. So now it's coming to the point where either he's, like, man's up to it and is like, no, this is not for me. I actually need to go do something yeah. else and do it in a constructive way or he's going to go off and self-sabotage and start wrecking things, wrecking relationships, creating messes, hurting people, you know, all because, yeah, there's definitely issues from the masculine side, something like a love and a hate for the father, like some, yeah, definitely like father, yeah. father issues. Um, the dad may be somebody he's always looked up to and then he's suddenly seen a different side of him or he's become human or done something wrong and it's kind of changed his concept of yeah. everything that's going on in his life at the moment. Mm. So I feel like he's a little bit trapped in this life that he's created that he's you know, lived his whole life building up to. And now he's at a point where he's starting to ruin things. There's a lot of internal anger, but it's kind of repressed and then yeah. it'll come out occasionally in like a, some craziness and then he'll like try and control himself yeah. and it's just going in this cycle where he's just needs to own up to okay well i have created this but maybe it's not what i want and maybe my father is just a human and you know he needs to just see what things for what they really are rather than keeping him his father as this idol and now who's come crashing down to earth like this fallen god yeah. you know it's all good or no no he's just a human you know, and start like facing that situation yeah. and then sort of start realizing himself like, well, okay, this is good what I've created, but maybe I did it all because I wanted someone to approve of me or for my father's respect. Now, yeah. maybe I need to find what it is I truly want to do. And I need to tell certain people that, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Yeah. So yeah, that's what's obvious to me about James. Very interesting. Some of that I think resonates. Um, However, I can't really comment on the rest because um, he can be quite aloof. Very so aloof. It's hard, it's hard to know what of that. This is person actually... is extremely aloof. Yeah. Like you'll never know. <laughs> okay. You'll probably... never know anything that's going on until yeah. like a crazy moment occurs, and then you're like, "Whoa! I didn't expect that. It's all falling apart underneath." Yeah. So this um, person isn't outwardly aggressive. It's like it's like internally, it's like their eyes are just almost becoming glazed over. It's like a lot of internal like stuff. Yeah. So James, if you're listening, that's what's happening to you. So somebody out there who may be listening to this and thinking, I'm at a crossroads in my life. I'm going through a pinch point or I'm not happy with my job or whatever it is that they're going through. Um, and let's just say they want to start on the journey similar to what you had done, but perhaps maybe not as um, clear cut. So they still want to keep going about their business in usual as a sense of they might have a kid they have to look after. Yeah. Or they might be in a marriage or they have to really stay at their job or maybe they're happy with their job. So, you know what I mean, there's still a certain level that they can't get rid of. So to your average kind of Tom and Jane who wants to start opening up their mind to this, mm -hmm. what are some practical things do you think they should do next just to start getting a different perspective? I would take to some pen and paper and just have some quiet time for yourself and try and use your intuition. Ask yourself a question. Write down why, even when you get a cold, why am I getting cold? Why, um, you know, why am I eating compulsively or yeah. why am I feeling stressed? And intuitively, you'll start to notice you're getting some insight. So, and, you know, just listening to that first instinct that you get before yeah. your logic takes over, just getting more in that state and being in the moment. So even like rather than preparing what you're going to say before something or pre-thinking, like we're trained to pre-organize, pre-think our next move. Yeah. Be in the moment and then 
act on that. Keep your eyes open, listen to your intuition, and I'll put a link to Sasha's website down in the description. So if you want to learn more about this, you can get in touch. Sasha, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to Guilty by Association, and we'll catch you uh, next time. Maybe we'll get you back on the show again. Thank you. Thank you.